You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a bite-sized podcast that brings you real-world insights that help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we share best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demand Matrix. Demand Matrix helps you complete your data stack with technographic, intent, and revenue potential data to help you accelerate revenue. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Sunny Side Up. I'm your host, Asher Matthew, and I'm super excited to talk to Thani Gopalakrishnan about consolidating marketing operations for achieving scale. Thani, welcome to the show. Hey, Asher. Thank you. Thank you for having me in this show. Um, um, it's super exciting to be part of this show. I, I, I know you guys have had like great guests and influencers as part of the show previously. So super honored to be part of this and, and willing to share what I can. Thank you for having me. Yeah, superb. You know, funny. So let's dive into it. Like, tell us how you got to where you are. Uh, it's quite an interesting story because um, I have done multiple things in my career right after my uh, undergraduation in engineering. So I really started out as a programmer, like hardcore Java developer, .NET, and, and BI and reporting and analytics. So at, at some point in my career as an, in IT, I, I realized that a, a big picture and, and doing marketing and understanding finance and all of these business aspects of business was really important to me. Didn't want to really uh, continue to be uh, the technologies that I wanted to be. So I, I went and got my MBA from University of Michigan back in 2011, right? And that's when I realized that marketing is something that I would really like to do. And I got a, a passion for it. I, I got a real feel for how to get to do marketing and so on and so forth. And also combined with my experience as a technologist, I really thought that the sweet spot is going to be marketing operations where a lot of technology and BI analytics is used, where data is heavily used in terms of making business decisions or help business make business uh, decisions using data. So that's where I realized I, marketing operations is the place to be. And, and I started my journey at Dell uh, with being in BI and then slowly pivoted going into marketing operations. And I have been in ops for about six, seven years now. Superb. And I think you were, you have a technical background and then you went to marketing? Yes, yes. Super, super technical background, right from coding Unix to Java, all the way up to marketing operations now. So I'm pretty hands-on even now. Yeah, I'm going to connect you with Aaron Blue, who is marketing ops slash demand gen at Ping Identity, exact uh-huh. same career path. Uh, and it resonates with me too, because I was a software engineer and I went this, to the sales slash biz dev route because deal making and structuring a win-win-win situation for everybody was super important to me. Absolutely. I, I, and also in today's world, I mean, especially being in marketing where everything is mostly data driven, I mean, it's no more just art. It's art and science and math involved in doing marketing these days. So I feel like being a technologist actually gives you an advantage in being in marketing these days. I, and I don't even think it's a, it's a strategic advantage. I think it's sort of like you have to have it. 100%. I just remember my dad telling me when I was like 10 years old, Hey, Asher, if you don't know math, you don't know anything. I'm like, great, crud. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, well, let's dive into it. You know, I mean, you had a fascinating journey at your current role, and I want the audience to hear about 
What do you mean by consolidating marketing operations for achieving scale? Because it sounds like the yesteryear marketing ops or anybody that is infatuated with tools and wants to scale, they're just like, oh, yeah, buy this tool, buy that tool, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And my friend, uh, John Paul Gomes, who's actually at DNB right now, uh, I think told me once that there are a thousand different technology products inside of, uh, uh, on average, inside of organizations today. And uh, and then uh, I remember back in my days at Lean Data, uh, when we looked at tech stacks, it seems like go-to-market teams had, on, at any given point in time, at least like 45 to 60 different solutions that were running to help them. So it just sounded like a lot. But tell us what you mean by consolidating to uh, marketing operations for scale. Absolutely. So uh, when I joined Epicor, uh, which is where I work today, I mean, uh, they sell ERP, they're a billion dollar company. So um, and, and going back a little bit, right. So marketing operations means different things to different people. And also there is a commonality in terms of what it means across different companies. I mean, marketing technology is one thing that everybody agrees to saying that marketing ops manages it. Right. And also there's this other aspects of process and, and people management and also BI and reporting and also doing process optimization and so on and so forth. So that's where I feel like everybody sort of thinks about marketing technology as the only thing that marketing ops manages, but there are other things to do as well. So that's where I come in to look at like marketing ops is not just really about technology. We have to do multiple other things in terms of going and looking at the different processes that we have in house. How do we optimize that and apply technology where we can apply technology and also look at the three dimensions of people process technology together to consolidate at scale, to, to give the best service within marketing, right? To, to enable all of the teams within marketing to do their best. Superb. And you know, like, and, and I, I, I say this with the utmost respect, right? Like everybody says people process technology, et cetera, et cetera, right? But it's very hard to like, for, for people to just digest it and then make it part of their rhythm you know if you know what i'm saying saying because it's it's even i say that to like my friends too right but then they're always like hey asher show me what you mean you know like how are you able to take this from like reading about it or a concept to like completely internalizing it can you share a little bit about that with the audience Absolutely. So I, I think of the three dimensions as levers that we have uh, to to solve a problem. So the first step is really to understand the big picture, which is about what are we going to do as a company? What are we going to do as a business? Right. Where are we heading in the next three to five years? And based, based on that, we also need to look at what is my marketing team really trying to drive? Right. Is it, is it going to be revenue? Is it going to be cost? Is it going to be new, new brands, new logos? Is it going to be like existing customers, keeping them, uh, retaining them and, and selling more to them, cross-sell, upsell, whatnot, right? So trying to understand all of this as a marketing operation person and, and trying to uh, look at the three dimensions that we have, people, process, technology, and also having a deep understanding of your business and, and also the different teams and what they do and applying these levers to see like, hey, what can I do to solve a problem? Let's say that we have a problem of handing over leads to BDR, right? It can be solved multiple ways. If you look at the three dimensions, it could be a people problem, it could be a process problem, or it could be a technological issue that we have, right? When you think about each and every problem across these three dimensions, you can actually apply any one of these levers to actually make sure that we get the best result out of it. In, in the case of handing over leads to BDR, there could be a system that could be doing automatic enrichment to the leads coming in. There could be a system that could be collecting all the leads that's coming in automatically, so that we send the leads as soon as possible after qualification to the BDR, 
versus actually putting in tons of people out there to actually do manual lead entry and enrichment. Sort of makes sense, right? So it, it is an healthy mix of where do we apply people as a lever, where do we apply technology as a lever to, to achieve scale, or where do we optimize the process, like the legacy process, to make it better so that we get the best result and, and the goal that we want to achieve. And since we did talk about, or at least we joked a little bit about uh, the world revolving around math, <laughs> is, yeah. is this like an equation that you're running in the background? Like, is, do you have an Excel sheet where you're like, okay, I have this much headcount, productivity levels are this much, I have process, and then the process, uh, there's a process score, and then there's a technology, and then there's a technology score, and I'm trying to to maybe do a multivariable uh, regression analysis to see like which ones, which level affects the output the most? Like, is it that sophisticated or or help us understand that a little bit? It's not super sophisticated, right? It, it, it's, it's as simple as, hey, I have these three levers to play with, right? So um, uh, I always look at the cost benefit analysis of what we need to do. Is, is adding more people going to be beneficial in the long run? In the short run, is it going to improve or not improve, right? And also is, is technology a sustainable thing that we can actually throw in to, to solve a problem, right? So I use all of these three levers to actually whiteboard all of these things anytime there is a problem and a solution we have to find and, and think about what is the best that we have to use or a combination of things that we have to use. But my goal has always been to be like, hey, how do we do this at, at, at the lowest cost possible to achieve the highest result that we want to achieve and, and be as lean as possible? It's, it's not fun growing your team from five to 50 people all of a sudden, right? I mean, it, it comes with its own issues and problems. It's not fun by spending millions of dollars and getting a new technology, which is fancy, right? And also it's not fun having a process which is which is super convoluted, right? So thinking about all of this, uh, I, I simply go back to thinking about a simple solution at the lowest cost possible, right? To achieve the best result that is possible. So using those three levers and using this motto, I, I think about what is a combination of things that we can do. You know, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. And 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 I coined a term for people like us, right? I I call it gross margin professionals because we're always trying to say what dollars are going there and what's the highest we can do, right? But there is a limit to it too, right? Like sometimes I catch myself. I'm like, Asher, like you cannot do this because it's just stretching the teams just way too much, right? And uh, so that's I think I think that's more of a muscle that you have to train so you're not just flooring it all the way through, right? But gross margin professionals is definitely something that uh, that I've been thinking about for like folks like you and I. Absolutely, man. I mean, uh, especially in the world of marketing operations technology, I mean, there is no limit to spending and, and tools and toys that you can buy, right? You can be going on a crazy spree of buying tools and, and, and putting it out there, considered you have budget, right? And, and you can have all of them there. But the problem is, what I've realized over the year is, you can buy as many tools as you want. It, it's going to solve a particular problem. But in the longer run, it's going to create a lot more problems in terms of integration, looking at omni-channel data, looking at all of the touches that we have with the different customers, so on and so forth. So it's not fun when you have a lot of different tools. Tell me about it. You know. Okay, let's let's dive in into your framework a little bit. Is like obviously you talk about people, process, technology, right? Is there one part of the framework that you're like, hey guys, just be cautious about this, or or uh, or you're like, hey, make sure you spend more time. Like like dive into the framework a little bit more and 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 give us some insight. 
Absolutely. So all, all three of them have its own challenges. But if there's one thing I would like to uh, pick up and, 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 and dive a little deeper is, is on the technology framework. So um, uh, being a technologist myself, I, I, I like fancy tools. I like new new widgets all the time. But uh, it comes with the price, right? Every single time there is a new new functionality or feature available or there's a new tool available, there is an affinity for me to actually go look at it or, or try it out if there's a trial version. So God knows how many trial versions of tools I have downloaded and tried it out, right from RPA to BI to analytics to to any simple automation that we can do, right? So every single time I go try it, it, it satisfies the urge of going and buying a tool. And I, and I couple that with, hey, am I solving this to achieve more than 100% of what, we, what we're needing to achieve or is it solving 80-20, right? So I always go back to this philosophy of, hey, if, if this particular thing is going to solve us 80% of what we need and, and 20% is all those fringe edge cases that we cannot solve using this tool, I would go with that tool versus thinking about a tool that solves world hunger. You know what I'm saying? I totally do. I, I totally do. You don't have to solve... Uh, <laughs> okay. There's multiple cases. Yeah, I, I call this the Messiah complex. <laughs> you know, we don't have to solve it for all of humanity, right? But let's just solve it for some part of humanity so that there is a benefit that's realized and uh, and we can focus a little bit on quality of the, the the technology or the quality of the result versus just the quantity of the result, right? So it's uh, it, 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 it's totally something that that at least I've learned over over the years. So so let's dive into into the lessons that you've learned, right? Because you've shared a little bit of insight about like the different pieces of this puzzle and and the, how do you balance this equation. But what are the hardcore lessons that you've learned where if somebody was starting in this role or wanted to navigate this path of consolidation, right? Like they, they if they took these two, three things that you've uh, learned from your experience, it would just bring them that much further. And then of course, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, We'll, we'll tag them in the post that we do for this podcast so that they can come back and share back with you. Absolutely. So every single time you you encounter a new problem or, or you start a new job as a marketing operations leader, this is what I think. I mean, the experience that you have gathered elsewhere or solving different problems is all valuable, but it's not rinse and repeat, right? And this is something I've really, really learned hard, right? If you actually try to do rinse and repeat and, and, and try to emulate what you have done in the previous job or previous places, it's actually a recipe for disaster, right? So having that experience in, in the back of the head and, and also thinking about the problem as objectively as possible, right? And trying to solve that problem with a fresh set of eyes and fresh set of mind, uh, involving a lot of thought leaders like yourself, right, like myself, and going and having conversations with them. It could be as as many people as you want to think about, hey, this is the problem that I have. How do we get to solve? And, and, and my mantra has always been like, go talk to my team to say like, hey, this is the problem we have, guys. How do we get to solve this? I mean, think about the three dimensions and how simple can we solve, right? So this has been my mantra in terms of going and solving it. But if you ever try to do rinse and repeat based on your experience that you have done elsewhere or solved a different problem, nine out of 10 cases, it's usually a recipe for disaster. It's the same thing as we say, if you bring a very senior sales leader, it does not mean 150 reps that they managed before just going to jump ship and come over to you, because that would be espionage. <laughs> it does not. And every problem is is highly contextual and, and it has its own sets of problems and levers that we can actually apply on to solve it. So if you think everything is simple, it's fine. But if you think that it's simple based on your previous experience and you have done this, you have done that, 
I don't think it's as easy. A as you dive in, the, the problem is actually different. At the surface level, it might be simpler and it might sound similar, but it's actually not. Yeah, I agree. Anything else that uh, you've learned over the last like 18 months or so as, uh, as you've tried to consolidate everything at, uh, at Epicor? Yes, data, right? Uh, the quality of the data is, is not the greatest anywhere you go, right? People can complain about data quality and whatnot, but we may have to live with it, right? We may have to live with the data quality that we have. We can strive to actually clean it and we can strive to actually get 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 the data work in your favor and, and stitch the data. But there's never 100% clean data anywhere that we anywhere we go, right? So there's always going to be a challenge. There's always going to be a problem, right? And also another thing I learned is data can actually make or break a business, right? It's an important asset that we have to actually carefully manage in terms of making it as pristine as possible so that we can make the best use of it and also make the best sense out of the data and the patterns that we see. It's going to be important. And also another thing I have seen working in companies like Epicor and previously elsewhere else is you have to be fiscally responsible in terms of how do we manage the budget when it comes to MarTech. Like I mentioned before, it's easy for you to go and spend as much as you want, but it comes with its own price. So being fiscally responsible and also having a North Star architecture in terms of where you want to get to next to three to five years as a company, as a marketing ops leader is going to be super, super critical for you to anchor yourself in terms of where you want to get to instead of just being a kid on the candy store and, and buying everything that you want to buy. I, I agree with you. And and what do you think about this? Like, we totally have to live with the data, but you do have to have fundamental understanding of it. And I say this because, you know, you could have a lead, a contact, a prospect, and a ticket in four different systems. They all mean the same thing, right? Yeah. But but you have to know what it means. And, and I would say future leaders, um, or let's say go-to-market or data science or anywhere actually in the business, right, have to understand the language that is being spoken between teams and their tools and at the data layer, because if there's some synchronization at the data layer, then everything else that's built on top of it works smoothly. Absolutely. Don't take me wrong. I, I said data challenges are going to be there. That doesn't mean that we have to just live with whatever crap quality of data that we have. We still have to go and have a data governance practice. I, I have a team of four people actually looking at data governance, going and looking at CRM and looking at email marketing automation systems and other platforms that we have to actually streamline the data, clean it, and have a common taxonomy, so on and so forth. So all of these standard practices have to be done, right? But expecting the source system to be clean and expecting the source systems to all be aligned and have a common taxonomy across the different systems, that's, in, that's an unreasonable ask. And also, if you try to align all of this by investing a million or a couple of million dollars, I think it's a waste of money. I mean, all of these challenges could be solved by aligning all of this in a BI platform or a data platform just for use of marketing and sales. Oh man, I think we're gonna to have to do a follow-up, like a video cast or something like that. And so you can actually show people how this is done because again, it sounds so complicated, but it's really not. <laughs> it is not, it, it is actually not. I, I think a lot of people try to solve the problem by going to the source system and trying to change the source system. If you go back, source systems are meant to do a certain thing. Say for example, CRM. CRM is actually meant to be a customer relationship management tool. It's mostly meant for managing our accounts and leads and contacts and, and closing deals and whatnot. If you go to them and say like, hey, we are really, really super excited about you having managing the data and keeping it clean possible, sales will be like looking at you like, what are you asking me to do now? 
right? Their job is to actually close deals. Their job is not to make the data clean, right? So it, it's the governance team that is sitting in either in sales ops or marketing ops that needs to actually look at the data, pull them in an offline data lake or something and, and make it as, as streamlined as possible with common taxonomy and, and doing the data cleansing routines and whatnot and make sure the BI actually comes out good. Superb. So let's get to the punch question, right? So you went to this effort of consolidating your entire MarTech stack, right? We don't need to know the number, but what type of efficiency did you bring? Like, can you give us some level of idea of a percentage? Uh, we actually retired a bunch of tools. I mean, we used to have close to uh, 60 plus tools when I started uh, a year and a half back. Uh, I was not going in uh, with the assumption that I would, I would actually retire tools. I was actually thinking about replacing some tools and doing something. But as I learned the business more and more and as I learned the priorities, I, I, I kind of felt that some of these tools have been just there which has been barely used, right? We, we actually don't need it. Is it solving anything? Is it solving something, but is it actually needed, not needed? Can that be replaced by doing something else? So we actually retired close to 12 plus tools in the, in the last one year. So uh, MarTech is not about just buying new tools and integration. It's also about retiring tools that are not being used. Superb, superb. Okay, so 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 out of the 60, you, you retired 12. Would that be a good uh, yeah, absolutely. number? Yeah. Good. Okay. And I'm pretty sure as you're looking at it, you're like, okay, like some tools are just going to do the same functionality so we can consolidate further, you know, like, and, and, and now you're keeping an eye on it. Yes, yes. And also we have a North State architecture, North Star architecture in terms of where we want to get to in the, in, in the next three to five years. And, and we have a very, very strong CMO who's actually focused on technology and data and BI and analytics. So, um, that partnership with, with my leaders and also people working in the field, all of them are data savvy at Epicor. So working with them, I think we have we have a solid foundation in terms of where we want to get to. So having that as, as an anchoring slide wherever we want to get to and how we want to get to, I think has always been helpful. That sort of gives us a strategic roadmap in terms of how do we move forward? Should we buy? Should we build? Should we retire something? I mean, these are some of the things that we're thinking. So I'm taking a couple of golden nuggets away, right? When you're st given a problem, try to whiteboard it. And and again, so many people don't do this. And I know we're, we're working from home now, but I've always encouraged people to, whether it's a digital whiteboard and you can use your iPad Pro with a pencil, right? Or just go buy a whiteboard and put it onto your wall or just do like whiteboard paint on your wall, right? Make it a weekend project. But having a whiteboard and just writing stuff down is so important because it just brings what you're thinking out on a onto a a onto the whiteboard, and then you have more thought power or thought space so that you can you can get more ideas and actually solve the problem. Absolutely, and 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 some of my teammates will actually say this too. I I, I love workshops, not for the sake of workshops, but. Anytime we are trying to actually go spearhead a big uh, initiative or, or trying to optimize the process, uh, we try to actually pull in a lot of people from different departments to actually have their point of view and brainstorm. So that way, actually, the workshops actually worked, right? So prior to COVID, we always traveled to different work sites and, and, and we did all of these workshops to actually brainstorm a lot, right? I mean, you never know who has the best idea. So marketing operations is not just a function that people inside marketing operations can actually do right you need to take inputs from other departments within marketing and also sometimes it's it who's actually giving you great ideas yep. and the second golden nugget that i took away is 
is is once you have an idea, you know, like talk to other 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 people, but adding more technology is not necessarily the answer all the all the time. Yes, it is not. So, sure. yeah, some of the uh, examples that I've given you before, like lead optimization and lead routing and all of that. I mean, it's a combination of technology and process change, and, and also in certain cases upskilling people within your team and outside your team to to make them understand hey what you've been doing so far has been good but it's not going to be the one that you're going to be doing the next five years right as a company we are moving forward so use this technology use this process this gets the best result so educating ourselves and constantly striving to improve what we have with multiple iterations as has been my team's goal and i have a great set of team um, and, and people who are working in my team who actually strive to improve and improve and improve so that's been good for us I think my favorite takeaway from this podcast is if you can't fit it on a slide and if you can't show it all the time, it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> it's never going to happen. It becomes too complex. It becomes a science experiment beyond that. 100%. Well, great. Thani, thank you so much for spending time with us on the show and then giving us uh, uh, your, your great insight. Let's move to a little bit of the fun part of the show. Thani, if there was a way to condense all of this podcast into a hashtag right like what would that hashtag be and think of that hashtag as your slogan right so does the hashtag come to mind (laughs) i would say um um, simplify to scale all right there you go because you just never know when these things take off right like how things go viral right so i was always try to put a hashtag on these posts that we do so that we can always go back to them so great okay well once again Thani, thank you so much for joining us and uh, and it's been a pleasure to get to know you especially with our backgrounds being a little bit similar for as in migrating to the com- uh, country and uh, and building a base for ourselves and our families uh, it's uh, truly remarkable what you've been able to do and uh, and good luck for the future. Thank you, Ashar. It's been a pleasure. And, 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 and thank you for hosting me. It's, it's been awesome. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review us and share these insights with your peers.